Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. I'm Pastor Steve, as Heather said. Uh, good morning. I want to encourage you. It is really difficult to know who's new around here and who's not uh, with the shutdown and the pandemic and all that kind of thing. So introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know. Uh, in the midst of that, you can do the elbow thing and social distance if you need to. Uh, in the midst of that conversation, ask somebody maybe if they have a Bible at home that they can understand. Because some people have like a King James version that has all the these, thou's, and forsaketh these. And uh, we don't talk like that anymore. And I give you permission, uh, if they don't have a Bible they can understand at home, to give them one uh, from under the seats. So have fun being generous and just getting some, to know some people you don't know yet. Uh, New Stanton Church would also love to pray with you. Uh, you were handed a Connect card on the way in. Uh, if you put a prayer request on that, we pray for those every week. Uh, you can also use that card to let us know if God answers a prayer, because uh, we like to hear the news about that too. And then lastly, there's some offering baskets in back if you so choose. Uh, we're headed back to First Peter this morning to continue the series Hope for Today. And I want to give you some hope from Romans 8.28 before that. Paul writes, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. That means it is always, always, always too early to give up on God working things out for our good. God is always at work in our lives, working for our good according to his purposes. That means there is hope for today. If things haven't worked out yet, it means God's not done working. Hold on, because it's always too early to give up on God working things out. Well, last week, we were told by Peter that this salvation that we have received from Jesus was absolutely amazing. We may be scattered exiles, but we have a new life. We have this salvation that angels desired to peek over the curtain of time and see. Prophets tried to figure out when this would happen. We have a deeper trust in God that will see us through all the trials of life. God's salvation plan for the mess that we created, Jesus, and sending his son was so anticipated. So this morning we're headed back to 1 Peter chapter 1 to look at verses 13 through 25. Let's look at that. Peter starts, so, and anytime you see the word so or therefore in your Bible, the author is about to give you some application. Last week we said uh, faith is a lot like paint. 
It doesn't do anybody any good in the can. You have to apply it. So Peter is about to give us some application, some places to apply the paint based on this amazing salvation that he told us about last week. Here's some areas to apply it. So he begins, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So, there it is again, you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. You see, one day God will judge us based on how we apply, how we work out, live out the truth of his salvation in our lives and how we love one another. So, there it is again, you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Remember, our permanent residence is in heaven. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value because they all melt in the end, right? It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in the last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Peter can't help. Even though he's talking application, he can't help explain and talk about this great salvation a little bit more. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So, there's the application. Now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again but not to a life that will end quickly. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. How awesome is God's word. Remember, Peter is writing to Christians, a bunch of Christians, that are really, really afraid for their lives. They are being hunted down and killed. They have been scattered from their homes. They are living as exiles in various places in the Roman Empire. They may expect a word of comfort as Peter's letter is read to them. They may want him to tell them that Jesus is going to put a stop to all the pain, 
and all the death right now. That he's coming back soon. But Peter can't promise them those things. They are not home yet. We're, we're not home yet. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. And all of us can say amen, because we know it's true. But even when things are hard, our lives, Peter reminds us, are still to reflect this amazing relationship that we have with Jesus. Peter, who, who has seen Jesus, encourages these believers who have not seen Jesus to surrender their lives and their wills to God. They, they, he encourages them. They need to think and act and desire God's best even in these difficult times. Maybe this is a challenge. Maybe you're sometimes like me. Uh, under normal circumstances, I am cool, calm, collected. I love the problem solve. Nothing rattles me much. I like new ideas. But if you catch me sleep deprived, hungry, and stressed, like I might bite. You know, it's just the way I roll. I get ornery when I get hungry. Parents, you know exactly what I'm describing. Your kids get up early. They bounce off the wall all day long. You're trying to do school. You can't even go to the bathroom without hearing, Mommy! You're exhausted, no rest, always on. You're eating the cold meals because you're giving them the warm ones, and they throw them on the floor. You've got work to do because you're working at home. You walk out of the room for two minutes, and you come back, and it looks like a bomb has exploded in your home, right? And then your boss calls and says, hey, why is this project late? Or your spouse walks in the door and says, why is that on the floor? <laughs> it is hard not to lose your religion in moments like that. Maybe it's me, but I don't know. When I first looked at 1 Peter, verses 13 through 25, I thought, why in the world is Peter talking to this group of Christians about holiness? They're being hunted down and killed. Why, why isn't he saying, you know what, God loves you, it's going to be all right, uh, give each other a hug, you know, get holiness, righteousness, justice, and then the light bulb went on. All these folks are running, they're hiding, they're stressed, they're hungry. Peter is trying to say, don't lose your religion. Peter's instruction about holiness isn't because he wants to let them know all of God's rules. It's not that kind of religion. He's trying to say, listen, you have a relationship with Jesus. It's awesome. But even though it's, you're going through, mm, you still have to apply the paint of your faith in a beautiful way with those around you. Let me ask you a related but kind of odd question. Is lying wrong? How many say yes? Raise your hand. How many say, nope, you can tell a white lie, a white lie anytime you want? How many say, I don't, I don't know, you can raise both hands? <laughs> a lot of people get the right answer to that question. It's wrong to lie. But they don't know the why it's wrong to lie. And because they don't know the why, 
they have a really hard time figuring out what's right and what's wrong in other areas of their life. The, the why it's wrong is because God never lies. He's an absolute. And he gets to say what's right or wrong based on his character. Right and wrong rests in who God is, what he says, and what he does. And it's all consistent. It's all one in the same. God never says one thing and then does another. So when God says, be faithful to your spouse, it's because God is always faithful. When he says, thou shalt not lie, it's because God never lies. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. We are supposed to model his character. His, his Spirit works through us to transform who we used to be into who we now are in relationship with him. And he, he purchased us. He, he bought us. Not with something that's going to burn in the end of time. But with the precious blood of Jesus. He owns us. God gets to say, because we are owned by him, what is right and what is wrong. Peter says, therefore be obedient children. If you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've done this with your kids. You have said, just listen to me. <laughs> Please, like for the love of God, just do what I said. I remember years ago, we were at my grandparents' farm and they had this little miniature windmill that actually worked and spun and it was really cool. And Jared pushed it with all his might and it spun around and I stopped it before it clocked him in the back of the head. And I said, Jared, don't push that like that. You're gonna get hit in the head. He did it again and, and I kept stopping and I kept stopping and I said, Jared, don't. I take him over here, put him here. Don't, don't push that. Back to the windmill he'd go and he'd give it a... So I took a step back and I let him spin it. And it spun around and it knocked him to the ground. And I picked him up, and I hugged him, and I said, that's why I didn't want you to push it, because you're going to get hurt. Now, some of you might think that was cruel, but I was there to pick him up and comfort him. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't feel like that when we are sinning or when we slip back into our old habits. God doesn't say, please, don't do that. Please, just listen to me. Just do what I said. You're going to get knocked in the back of the head. This morning, I want to look at the four different instances in 1 Peter 13 through 25 where Peter says, so, or therefore, do this. Because he encourages us to apply the paint of our relationship with Jesus in four ways. The first one is in verse 13. So... Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. 
part of preparing our minds for action is getting it in our head that this world is temporary. We were to orient our hope, not on this life, not what we can get in this life, not the, but on the next life. I think it would be fair to say that Peter is encouraging lovers of Jesus to hold loosely to the things of this world because they're temporary and hold tightly to things that are eternal, things that store up treasure for ourselves in heaven, like showing love and serving people. And that's not a hard sell for people who are living under persecution. You know what I'm saying? It, it's comforting to hear that heaven will be different if the world you're experiencing isn't right and fair and good and just. People hunger for the next world, the, not the temporary world, when, when they're literally starving to death. The heavenly banquet sounds really good if you're hungry. If you really don't know where your daily bread will come from. But putting your hope firmly, holding tightly to the next world is harder when you're experiencing a high degree of justice and that you're rich like we are. Now, I know there is injustice in our world and I know not everybody here feels rich. But compared to the people Peter was writing to, Compared to the, a lot of other people in this world, we really have it really good. Two verses to reflect on. Isaiah 117. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And then Jesus says in Luke 11, Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and other kinds of herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. In other words, both are important. You just can't obey all the rules and not have your heart engaged in loving people and justice. You need both. You need to know the rules, but you need to infuse them with the love of God. Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Remember that this world is not your home. You will spend an eternity someplace else, and your reward will be in heaven. Stand for the widow, the orphan, the oppressed. Seek justice for those who are denied it. The second one is in verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. This is where the thou shall not lie comes in. Before we knew Christ, some of us didn't know. Some of us didn't know what he expected. We didn't know his character, so we can't be expected to live it out. There are behaviors, though, that God says are not acceptable for his kids. Not because he's controlling, not because he likes to make a bunch of rules, but because he wants his kids to reflect his character. 
I know lots of parents that aren't interested in church or God at all until they have kids. And then they think, you know what? I, I know right and wrong. I have a foundation because, like, I grew up in church. Like, I, I learned those things there. And then all of a sudden, they're interested in having their kids know Jesus and learning right from wrong. And we need to trust him. We need to trust him with our kids. We need to trust him with our lives. We need to trust him that his ways really are for our best. The good news is if you faltered at that, God is always there to pick you up. There is still hope for today. He's there to pick you up and allow you to try again another day. Number three. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. God really doesn't play favorites. On Judgment Day, nobody gets like this free pass because they're in the in crowd. Uh, you, you, we will all be judged based on what we do with our faith. When, when we meet him on the last day, we will give an account before a holy God. Again, two, two verses for reflection. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And then Matthew 12 And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. If that doesn't cause you, like just me, to consider how we we paint with our actions and our words, I don't know what will. The good news is that the Holy Spirit will give us the words, will encourage us to do the right things and convict us and call us back when we don't. The good news is God has already wrote what he expects down in this book. When when we get to judgment day, it's not like God is going to give us a pop quiz on unknown subject matter. You know, if you've had one of those teachers in school, God wrote it all down. The answers, what he wants from us, this relationship we have is all here. And then finally, in the last half of verse 22, Peter says, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply from your heart. Peter's kind of redundant, right? Love, love sincerely, sincerely, love deeply. The love that we are called to show is rooted in God's love. That love finds its power in this amazing relationship that we have with Jesus. There's a, there's a Hebrew word that means love and kindness, and it's called hesed. But it, it, it means something deeper than just love and just kindness. It's specifically the type of love that loves even when it's not in your best interest. And it perfectly describes the love of God. Because he sent his son when it was not in God's best interest. It was in our best interest. If we hope to apply our faith and the love of God in a way that reflects that kind of love, 
we are going to need to be intentional because that depth of love is not natural. Another odd question from Pastor Steve this morning. Have you ever worked with concrete? If you don't have a form or a mold and you just pour concrete out on the ground, it is a giant blob. It is hard, immovable, and you can't really do much with it. But if you pour it into a mold or into a form, you can make beautiful and functional things out of concrete. They make countertops out of it now and put aggregate in it, and it's absolutely beautiful. What I'm trying to say is, what intentional forms are we placing in our lives on this foundation of faith, this amazing relationship that God started in our lives. If you build support and the love of brothers and sisters and regular scripture reading and a regular prayer life and regular church attendance and living out your faith and trusting Jesus and taking a leap and being generous and serving telling people how amazing God is. Your faith and your trust and the beauty and the glory you bring your Father will only increase. Peter says, don't be influenced. Don't be formed by culture. Don't be formed by your sinful desires. Don't just do what feels right. Do what is right. There is hope today. It is always, always, always too early to give up on God working things out for your good. Because God loves you. God is involved in your life. God planned things for you in advance according to his purposes. So if things in your life haven't worked out yet, don't lose hope because God's not done working. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you are not done with us yet. That God, our faith being in you, God, you're going to take that root, that foundation, and God, you are going to build our lives until they reflect your love. You're going to continue to mold our character until it reflects your character. You're going to help us love, God, our husbands and our wives, even, God, when they don't love us in return. God, this is, this is Valentine's Day, but not everyone has that kind of love. But, God, your love loves when it's not in your best interest. God, it's a choice. We're going to form it until, God, you fill it with your love. So, God, as we love our kids, as we love our neighbors, as we build our lives on you, pour your love in us and through us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.